He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd Hole. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams with you. And, Taylor, it was a great weekend of golf on uh, the PGA Tour, the LPGA, the European Tour. Great weekend of golf. we got some Brooks Kepka news. We've got some uh, guys who can't get it done on Sunday, little Tony Finau, little Rory McIlroy. A lot to get into today. It was a phenomenal weekend of golf. Yeah, yeah, he left uh, Tommy Fleetwood uh, or um, Golden Locks Fair- Fairway Jesus out um, whenever you're talking about players who can't finish on Sunday. Had a great tournament across the uh, pond over in Abu Dhabi. Had a great tournament in the desert out in Phoenix. And uh, like you said, another great tournament on the LPGA Tour. And, you know, we mentioned on a preview show last week, we really just wanted to be able to come back and have some great, um, great tournaments to talk about. And we really did. And like you said, I think, you know, the main storylines, you know, the, the, the two to go away from, the first one you mentioned, the um, the guys who haven't been able to get it done on Sunday, that trend has continued with uh, Finau, Fleetwood, and Rory. And um, and then also uh, Terrell Hatton being able to move up to top five player in the world with his four-stroke win at, at Abu Dhabi, getting him a little over $1.3 million. A really great weekend from him. He showed, uh, showed some phenomenal stuff there on really every single round, just straight consistency, and had three eagles over the course of the tournament. That's pretty damn impressive. Yeah, it is. And, you know, he was paired with Rory McIlroy and Tommy Fleetwood on a Sunday, and he wasn't leading going into the final round. Rory McIlroy was leading going into the final round. And and here's the scores for those three guys who were in the final group vying to win this tournament. Fleetwood shot 73. Rory shot 72. Terrell Hatton shot 66. And, I mean, I can scroll through here. I don't think anybody in the field bettered that 66. Jason Scrivener, who finished second, uh, solo second, by the way, leapfrogged Rory with his 66 after being five back of Rory going into that round. But nobody else in the field on Sunday shot a better score than 66. And Tyrrell Hatton, who I think for the early part of his career was mostly overlooked, I think for a lot of reasons. He, he wasn't elite when he first came onto the tour when he was younger. He played a lot overseas. I think he was known more for kind of some of his antics and his anger problems problems that he had on the course there hasn't just been a ton for him to be angry about lately Taylor he's he's been winning at a pretty good clip four times now in the last couple of years worldwide and like you said he's now sub 30 years old he's 29 years old and he's the fifth ranked player in the world and and this is a guy that still doesn't quite get mentioned in the same realm as some of these other guys that he's around in the official world golf rankings I mean he has a higher uh he's higher now in the official world golf rankings than Xander and Rory and Bryson and Webb and Cantlay and Reed and Kepka, Hovland, Wolf, all these guys and he, he just probably doesn't get the due that he deserves. He's an unbelievable ball striker. He started putting incredibly well, and it's time that we start to recognize Tyrrell Hatton as one of the best players in the world because he's proven that that's what he is. Yeah, exactly. I think he was – I believe he was second this week in strokes gain approach to the green. That was where he was able to make his money. And you look back on his world golf ranking, Colby, at the end of each year, at the end of 2015, he was 104th in the world. Then 2016, move up to 24th. Then 2017, up to 16th. 2018, we're, we're reducing a little bit to 23rd. So he's kind of floating around that, you know, 20 mid-20s, teens. And then 2019, had a kind of an off year, got up to 32nd. But then ended last year top 10 in the world and now is up to number five. So you see the steady improvement there. Obviously, one of Arnold Palmer last year, one of the uh, 
one of the better events that uh, in in the world essentially. And look back on some of his other wins. One has won at the BMW, um, has won at Turkish Airlines Open, has uh, won the Alpha Dunhill twice at um, I believe that's the term is that they have at St Andrews and Carnoustie and um, uh, what's Kings Barn I believe is the other course. And so I mean just you know, such a good reputation on the year. European tour, Paul Azinger won't like that, but with that Arnold Palmer victory to go along, that 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 is that's even better. And I wouldn't be surprised, Kobe, if he's going to be a contender in some major championships this year. Yeah, and, and if not a major championship, at least the Honda Classic, you know, so we can garner Paul Azinger's <laughs> respect. I mean, if he can go down and and tame the bear trap, then we can really see uh, Tyrrell Hatton as one of the best in the world, according to Paul Azinger. Uh, let's bring it back to this side of the pond, Taylor. Siwoo Kim has now won three times since 2016. Obviously, the Players' Championship being the big one. He kind of ran away with that tournament. He did not run away with the American Express this week. This was very much a shootout on Sunday and over the weekend. Patrick Cantlay makes the cut on the number, proceeds to go 65-61 on the weekend. You were all in on Cantlay last week. That was a great pick. You had Cameron Davis in what ended up being a winning DraftKings lineup that you put out last week. He goes 66-64 on the weekend. But ultimately, it is Siwoo Kim in his third victory and what what he did on number 17 first off to to step up and hit it that close I mean that's closer than guys like Cantlay hit it that's closer than Cameron Davis hit it he hits it in there to 18 feet and then he just hits the most pure putt and that camera angle from the backside of the hole where you could see the sharpie line rolling end over end as it pours right in the middle and then the three wood eight iron he hit in to number 18 I bet he landed that eight iron within about a yard of where he wanted to coming into number 18 and Siwoo Kim is once again a winner and this is a guy who has not been able to show consistency throughout his career but when he peaks he really peaks and we saw it again this year Boy, uh, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I find it so funny, Colby. This was obviously they played the uh, Nicholas course one of the rounds, but three of the four rounds was held at the stadium course. And this was a course, Colby, that the, that the PJ Tour pros literally petitioned to not play out because it was too hard. And we look at these winning scores. We got 23 under, 22 under, 20 under, 19 under. Um, go down in top five. Um, Abraham Answer 15 under. Michael Thompson, um, Doug Gim out of Texas, finally having a, a good week. Kind of figured he would break out at some point. And so I, I find it so so funny that these guys are just able to tame these courses and and anyone who's played a really good Pete Dye course and PJ uh, Stadium is the definition of Pete Dye course there's so much visual intimidation and if you you're able to step up like for example on 16 when he's in the middle of the fairway I mean it looks like the biggest pit in the world that bunker that's the last place you want to hit it and he's able to hit it up on the front of the green himself a two-putt birdie then like you said I mean that if you if you're tied well he was tied for the lead at the time on 17 that green has to look like the size of a dime trying to hit it with, with how much water, with the island perception on it. So to step up, be able to hit that plus of a shot and then to make the putt on top of it. And, and I keep seeing it this all week, Kobe. I, I cannot believe how well all these tour players play 18. I mean, it just looks like such an intimidating hole with all the water up the left, but they just seem to stripe it, maybe hit it on the right side and then they'll just hit it up on the green and make or miss the putt. And it was, um, Cantlay was able to make a, I believe it was probably what a 25 footer or so. On 18, to able to put a little bit of pressure. Obviously, he went out earlier, was able to post that 61. And but uh, but uh, for Siwoo to know exactly what he needed to do and to hit the shots coming down the stretch, I mean that takes some stones, some real serious stones. And um, you know what? Um, I believe that moved him up to 30, third, well, moved him up to 48th in the world, I believe. So and he had had a top 25 at Sony last week, finished 34th at the Masters. 
So it's not like he had been on complete horrible form, but like you said, he, he tends to peak at, at random times. Yeah, he does. And and by the way, getting up to 48th in the world, that's a big deal. Top 50 is a big, big deal, obviously, with some of the events that that'll get you into, namely the Masters. Now, obviously, you win, you get in the Masters. So uh, good for Siwoo for that and everything that comes with it. And, you know, there were some other storylines on Sunday as well. Tony Finau tied for the lead coming into Sunday. And look, it, it's not like Finau went out and, and shot a couple over par or anything. Finau shot 68. He was four under, but it's on a golf course that was yielding really low scores. And, and at some point, Tony Finau is just going to have to be the guy that has the great Sunday round. At some point, we can't just keep saying, well, somebody else went low. When's Tony Finau going to go low on Sunday? And you, you hate that it's built to this point now. I think this is the 35th top five that Tony Finau's had in the last three or four years with no wins, not since he won that opposite field event back in 2016 in Puerto Rico. And I just, I, I can't explain it. I can't describe it. All the talent is there. It, it's just, he, for whatever reason, he is not able to finish right now and it, we keep thinking all right this is going to change he's going to win and it keeps not happening so I, I really don't know what to make of the Tony Finau scenario the fact that he can keep getting himself on leaderboards and he just never closes no and, and you know the thing is Kobe comes out and he birdies one and two yesterday so you think oh well maybe he's you know got the juices going he's able, he's going to get the job done and you know, you see coming in, he plays the front nine, and he, he birdies eight, the easy par five, kind of like you're supposed to do. Pars everything else, um, has a few few putts that he should have made that he missed. But then you get the back nine, Colby. Birdies 10, coming out looking like doing good. But then, unfortunately, hits it in the water on 11, leads to a, a really bad bogey, then ends up bogey in 14, which I think really was when he knew he was out of the tournament. Um, he was like 60 or 77 yards from the green looking at it right here and missed the green and was none, unable to get it up and down. Actually birdied two of the last four holes to kind of, I'm not necessarily backdoor the fourth because if he would have parred him, he still would have finished fourth because uh, fifth, it was, it was like I said, the three-way tie was at 15. So at 15 under, so it's not like he had much, much room there to, uh, to lose any, any cash or FedEx points. But yeah, like you said, Colby, it, it is, when is it going to turn around for him? And at this point, is it mental? And, and how deep does it go to the core? And, um, you know, unfortunately, the, you know, we're going to have a preview show for, um, for the farmers later this week. And, um, I've, I've picked Fina out of the last two years in, in the one and done at that tournament. And I'm going to be hard pressed not to again with it, with his record there. But, but man, it, it's scary the fact that he's, he keeps getting up there, and I, I just think that this this mental block that he has on Sundays is growing, growing, growing. And if it gets to be too big, he may not be able to conquer. Yeah, you're right. And you know, he's a top twenty player in the world now. He's he is the twentieth ranked player in the world. He hasn't won in five years, and obviously, everyone else in the top twenty has. He's just behind guys like Tommy Fleetwood, Matthew Fitzpatrick, who've won across the pond. But winning is winning. Um, you, you know, Terrell Hatton won this week, and obviously, that's an incredibly impressive win. That's tougher strength well, the field than what we had in California. Exactly. That's what I was about to mention. Strength field. You know, we keep talking about Phenon has the win in the opposite field event. We looked it up. It was like a 67 strength of field. So, you know, I, I, in all honesty, I, I'm not even really counting that as a win, in all honesty. I mean, with, with, how, with him being a top 20 player in the world, for him to have that as his only win, that's that's nothing really to, to hold on to, in my opinion. Yeah, that's something that, like, it's great, but you really have to validate it. It's like uh, it's like with Hovland. Hovland won in Puerto Rico, but it's like, okay, 
Yes, you won in Puerto Rico. You you stared down Josh Teeter on Sunday. That's awesome. Now let's let's come back it up. And Victor Hovland did. He won at Mayakoba, which is a, a regular uh, event. Was a regular event this year, and he backed it up and he kind of validated what he did at Puerto Rico. And I feel like we're still waiting for that validation from Tony Finau. And look, you can make a bunch of money on the PGA Tour, finishing top ten thirty five times. That that'll get you a bunch of paychecks. It'll get you into a bunch of events. It'll get you into a Ryder Cup, as we saw Presidents. Cup. Tony Finau obviously uh, is one of the best players in the world, and he's one of the best Americans in the world. But at some point, you you gotta win tournaments. Uh, you know, I mean, he's ahead of guys like Hideki, uh, uh, Kevin Na, Adam Scott, Louie, Answer, Paul Casey, Kisner, Leishman, a, a bunch of guys who have won who are all behind him in the official world golf rankings. Uh, major champion Gary Woodland. We're gonna talk about Gary Woodland here in a little bit too. He had a bit of a storyline this week, and I, I just don't know what it is for Tony Finau. Well, we're talking about guys who are, are kind of trying to find it. Obviously, Finau's not trying to find his game. He has his game. He's just trying to find to, how to win. Why don't we also talk about a guy who is trying to find his game in Ricky Fowler? And Ricky Fowler comes out and he shoots an opening round, 73. And I texted you, Taylor, and I said, man, I thought COVID was bad. And then I turned my TV on and watched Ricky play golf. Looked totally lost. And then he really kind of bounced back nicely. He, he shot a 66 on Friday, obviously made the cut. And then he goes 70-68 over the weekend. That's a six-under weekend. Ends up finishing T21. Not great, but it's not a missed cut. It's not, you know, a, a made the cut, finished 68th, like what we've seen from Ricky uh, for the better part really of a year now. His last top 10 came at this event a year ago. So what did you make of Ricky's week and his T21 finish? Yeah, I mean, you know, to for – like we said, we talked about Ricky's been struggling so much and for him to have a, a essentially top 25 finish is, I mean, for him, I mean, that's a building block to build on. We're going back here. I mean, the last time I see a top 25 is at the, uh, is at the FedEx St. Jude, the WGC where it finished T15. And, um, you know, we got a miscut. We got a couple miscuts in there, a 57th, a couple 49th. So, I mean, like you said, like you said, he's, he's really looking for his game. Seeing he's got graphite iron shafts now. So, I mean, that's, I mean, you know, good for him, good to try. But, you know, we tracked the, like we said, we, we tracked the year-end uh, official world golf rankings. And going back, he's gone from 7th to 11th to 23rd, all the way down to 53rd. And now he's currently 61st in the world. And so, you know, I mean, as, I'm, it's if for, for how much hype he's gotten. And it, it's funny, Kobe, I, um, I was watching the coverage on, I believe it was Friday evening. And, um, of course, they were hyping up the Players' Championship. And what year do you think they sh- they showed? Of thirty-second monologue of shots. Uh, I don't know the year Tiger won. Maybe, maybe the year Siwoo won. Mm, you are completely wrong, and <sighs> that is because it. That every single time they show Ricky, and what did they do? They showed all three wedge shots he hit on seventeen. Every <laughs> single one of them, and and that is what they're promoting. That's how they're promoting, and they keep doing it. And it's like you know, I go back, I'm looking on it here, and you know, I mean, he's won. The last time he's won was what 2019 he won last year at the um at waste management and since then he's had some a few high finishes but but nothing like i said he's already all the way down to 61st in the world so i it's it is will he get it back a lot of people think he will and uh you know what what is his ceiling now is he going to get back to be a top 10 player in the world like he was 
I don't know. I don't see him getting that high. What do you think Ricky's ceiling is at this point? Yeah, I don't, man, I don't know that he gets back to top 10 in the world because there are just too many good players up there that I, I don't know which guys he can knock off. It's not like a lot of guys up there are kind of getting old and going to be going anywhere. I mean, the top 10 right now is DJ, John Rom, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, Tyrrell Hatton, Xander Schauffele, Roy McIlroy, Bryson DeChambeau, Webb Simpson, and Patrick Cantlay. Aside from Webb, I mean, I guess DJ is 36 too, but I mean, DJ is the best player in the world. He's not going anywhere anytime he, soon. He ain't going anywhere. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know who he leapfrogs in, in that list to get up there. And I mean, he's got a long way to go even to get to there. I mean, hell, he, he'd have to, you know, basically double his world ranking increase now just to leapfrog a guy like Cameron Smith and Victor Perez. So I, I just, it, it's come a long way for Ricky. And I don't know about you, but man, he was, he was so good with the putter for such a long time. And then that went away and, and that's what really hurt his game. Now he's using this mallet putter. It, it looks different. It looks weird. I, I don't like it. I, I think he should go back to what he was doing, um, you know, a couple years ago. And, and I don't know if maybe he spent too much time on his swing, trying to get it changed and get it where he wants it and didn't focus enough on putting. I, I don't know what happened for the putting to fall off, but it, it just, it doesn't seem like he's reading the greens as well. You know, I, I saw him, I was watching his round on Thursday, he steps up over like a four footer with maybe two inches of break and just blocks it, you know, three, four inches out to the right, runs it three, four feet by line was off. Speed was off. It just, it, it, it seems like it's all off right now for Ricky. And I don't know what it's going to take to get it back on. So, um, no, I mean, I, I think that he can win again on the PGA tour. Obviously he's, he's still not an old guy. What is he? 31, 32 years old. Probably so. Yeah, third, third, 32, I believe. Yeah. yeah, okay, so 32 years old. I mean, obviously, he, he's got plenty of time to find his game. But, man, at some point, it, it just feels like it's just dragging on for such a long time that we're just kind of waiting for him to snap out of this slump. And I, I don't know when it's coming. I hope it's coming. Uh, I, I just uh, I wouldn't bet on it in any time in the near future. No, no, I, I completely agree with you. And, we, you know, we got a lot of local fans here who are definitely rooting for him to get his game back and for him to get that elusive major championship like everyone has talked about, that he was going to get multiple love. And, you know, I, I think at this point, Colby, I think, you know, we look 10 years back, I think people would think that he would have as many majors as he does total career wins at this point. And that's what's so crazy to me about about him and kind of where he's at at this point in his career. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's pretty much spot on. And he, uh, with his T21 finish, he was tied with another former Oklahoma State Cowboy and friend of the show, Taylor Gooch, who finished 11 under T21, 72 on Sunday. Uh, so I know he would like to have gone a little bit lower on Sunday, but still a nice week. Nice check for Taylor Gooch. Why don't we take a break, Taylor? Come back on the other side because we've got a couple more things to get to. We're going to talk a little Brooks Kepka, a little Gary Woodland. Uh, and also, I, I just want to give a shout out to the LPGA because that was a phenomenal finish down in Florida for that one. So uh, stay with us here on the 73rd hole. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, 
it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. Welcome back. Rolling along here on the 73rd hole. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams with you. And Taylor, I, I know that the LPGA doesn't get just a ton of love. Not a lot of people uh, watch it or, or really go too deep into it. But, but I'll say this. <clears throat> I think they're doing a better job of getting the LPGA Tour exposure and coverage. They're making it easier to consume their content. And there are some really great players right now who are a lot of fun to watch. In, in fact, yesterday, I'm watching the Packers-Bucks game. I'm sitting in my chair watching the Packers-Bucks game. Don't have my computer in there yet. Don't really feel like pulling it up on my phone. I told myself, at, at halftime of the Packers-Bucks game, I'm going to turn on the golf. So I, I'm scrolling through tri- Twitter reading about the, the football game, and I see people tweeting about what's happening at the LPGA event with Danielle Kang and Jessica Corda dueling it out coming down the stretch. So when the football game went to halftime, I actually went and got my computer, and the first event that I turned on was the LPGA event before I switched over to the American Express. And it, it was such a weird scene on 18T. So Daniel Kang and Jessica Corda stepped 18T. They're tied. And I don't know how many people watched any of this event down there, but the, the scene was so weird. And it was like something out of a weird movie, 10 cup Caddyshack type deal where these elite players are standing on the tee box waiting to tee off on 18. Who are they waiting on? Aaron Hicks, who plays for the New York Yankees. Some other guy whose name I don't remember. Marty Fish, I think, was his name. I don't know what the hell he does. He's some sort of celebrity. And some other guy, some amateur in this group. They're waiting on these guys to clear the green at this par 3 18th hole. Meanwhile, there's Michael Jackson blaring over speakers in the background. It's like this party hole on the 18th, and we're about to decide the tournament of champions down here with this music blaring, and we're waiting on baseball players and celebrities to get off the green so we can hit. It was just one of the strangest things I've ever seen and to tell you the truth I can't decide if I love it or hate it I really can't the music's blaring they're waiting on amateurs to get off the green is that awesome or is that is that stupid I, what do you think why were the amateurs on the green Kobe I don't understand and and, and also I want to put it in context the 18th hole is a par three yeah, 185-yard par three. The amateurs were on the green because the way they set up the field is they alternated a group of LPGA professionals, and it was a pro-am tournament, but they didn't have them playing in the same groups on Sunday. So on Sunday, they alternated groups. They had a group that was LPGA professionals and then a group that was the amateurs because the amateurs are competing for their own title uh, in a modified Stableford format that, Ma- that Marty Fish ended up winning. But... That was the group that was in front of the LPGA professionals. And then, like, on 16, Danielle Kang was going to putt. She ends up having to stand and wait for, like, two minutes because they're using gas-powered carts. And somebody's, like, stopping and starting and driving by (laughs) in a gas-powered cart. It was just – it was the damnedest thing I've ever seen in my life with so much on the line between these two great players. And like I said, I can't tell if it was the, the most awesome thing I've ever seen on a golf course or the dumbest thing I've ever seen on a golf course. And to put this into a little bit of context, you know, Jessica Corder with her win got 180K, and uh, Daniel Kane got uh, just a little over 150K. Uh, so, you know, you got all these shenanigans going on, and you have that much cash on the line. You know, it seems like a, um, almost like a, you know, a, a rich man's money game at this point with, uh, at, at your local muni with the gas carts and the music blaring and the baseball players out there playing that. And that's such a weird format to ha- to alternate amateurs and, and the pros. I, I find that so funny. I, I don't think I've ever heard of that happen. 
No, I, I don't think so either. It was it was very weird. Uh, they end up both parring 18, and then they replay it in the playoff, and Jessica Corda cans like a 30, maybe 35-footer on the first playoff hole for birdie and ends up winning it. So it, it was a great finish to the tournament. I will say this. In the playoff, the players are allowed to request that the speakers be turned off. They can tell tell the DJ, hey, let's turn the speakers off. I, I don't want to deal with it. Um, but they didn't do it in regulation, which was really surprising to me. And then in the playoff, they turned the speakers off. Corda ends up making the long birdie. Danielle Kang misses from about 15 or 20 feet, and Jessica Corda ends up with the win. But I thought that was really fascinating and kind of fun to watch yesterday. Uh, but moving on, Taylor, some pretty significant news in the game of golf. Uh, Claude Harmon third was doing an interview this morning about uh, one of his golfers that he instructs. Siwoo Kim is who he was doing the interview uh, about. He, he was talking about Siwoo Kim's victory and everything that they've worked on, and Claude Harmon was asked about the form of another one of his pupils, Brooks Kepka, who he's worked with since 2013 when Claude Harmon began working with him when he was playing on the European Challenge Tour. And Claude Harmon's response to the, the question about Brooks Kepka was exactly this. This was the quote. He said, I don't know. We are no longer working together. And that was a big surprise to the world of golf. Kepka then confirmed, Claude Harmon went on and said, I was informed on the Wednesday after the Masters that he wanted to go in a different direction. So they've kept this under wraps for about two months. And then Kepka apparently delivered the news face to face down in Florida. Uh, Kepka was reached out to by Golf Week and confirmed the news in a text. He said, I love Claude. We had a great run and he's still family to me. But unfortunately, we're not working together anymore. So Brooks Kepka obviously has not been on the same form he was there when he was at, at the pinnacle of the world of golf. What do you make? of him splitting with Claude Harmon. Yeah, you know, I find it fascinating. You know, they split uh, the Monday after the Masters, which, you know, at that point, Brooks had come off of a T5 at Houston and then finished T7th at, at the Masters. And he, you know, we had talked about it, but he had been searching for his game a little bit along the way as well. And, um, you know, I, I, I find it fascinating that the, uh, the timing of it, but also, too, the fact that, you know, is is Kepka getting into this range of searching for stuff? Um, you know, the news came out that he was using uh, uh, Strix, Strix on irons, and the rumor is it hasn't been really confirmed that he's going to start using um, Cleveland wedges and Strix on ball as well. So, you know, those, th- this is kind of making a pretty decent jump here. So, and, and he signed a deal with them. He was a, a free agent, one of these free agent equipment people that has um, kind of come the new phenomenon now on the tour. And so I, I find it fascinating that that he's kind of doing all this transitioning at once for a guy who's won four major championships um, and looked like he was on top of the world at some point. But, you know, we saw him, he missed the cut this week, Colby, kind of like we talked about. And, you know, we, we should have made that bet if it, um, on that prop bet on who would, who would finish higher, Ricky or Brooks, because I think we know that Brooks just doesn't, doesn't show up for these, for these tournaments where he doesn't give a damn. Yeah, and it's it's so weird. You know, Kepka was really in a position to make the cut. He was four under, and he was standing on 13-T on Friday at the stadium course, and that's the long par three that has water just about 20 feet left of the flag, and it's the only place you can't miss. And what's he do? He pulls it left of that green. It splashes. It doesn't carry. He has to drop back and hit a 150-yard shot in. What's he do on that shot? Well, he plays safe, flares it out to the right, and then doesn't get it up and down, makes a quick triple, and all of a sudden, he doesn't get to play two more days. Uh, he gets to go back home, and he has a couple days to think about what he wants to do in terms of finding a new swing coach. Who knows? He may have already found a new swing coach. This was 
two months ago. Um, so, so who knows when this exactly happened, but now you have to wonder if, like you said, if he is searching, uh, and then now, uh, apparently, you know, Srixen has confirmed that he switched to Srixen Irons, and you were saying that you'd heard that he was going to play um, Srixen almost throughout the bag, right? Yeah, yeah, Cle- Cleveland Strixon is essentially mutual. It's very similar to like Callaway and Odyssey in that aspect. So yeah, I've, um, the pictures I saw look like he still had Bokies in the bag. Um, can't now it's hard without there being fans there and a limited um, you know amount of media. It's a little harder to get the equipment images like we used to. So um, hadn't got full details on that, at least from what I've seen. But um, but yeah, definitely got the picture of the Strixon irons. That's a hundred percent done and um, like I said the rumor is that he'll eventually switch may have already switched to the Strixon ball but it looked like he still had bokeys in the bag but the rumor is that he'll eventually switch over to Cleveland he signed kind of a, a um, I guess a half of a half equipment bag deal because he's not going to be playing with the uh, the Strixon woods from the way I understand it Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so be interesting to see what Kepka looks like at, at Tory this week. Of course, that should fit him. I mean, he's the king of the U.S. Open, right? And this is a U.S. Open type venue. As a matter of fact, it'll host the U.S. Open this summer. We'll get into that much more on our preview show, uh, either tomorrow or Wednesday, as we try to handicap uh, the tournament. But also wanted to talk about Gary Woodland because Gary Woodland is a guy who burst onto the scene at the U.S. Open. Uh, and, you know, obviously I have a personal connection since I was there when he won. Thank you very much. And uh, Gary Woodland came out and was asked about his week at the American Express. And this is what he said. He said, I borderline want to cry. It's the first time I've played without pain in six months. I got out of pain about three weeks ago and wanted to test it out. I was rusty, but it was great. He said uh, he, he was hitting shots that he hasn't been able to hit in a long time. He said it's the first time he's walked on the course in weeks. He's been too nervous to walk out on the course because he was afraid that if he, if he played golf again, I guess it was a hip injury, and he said that he's been so nervous to get back to playing golf because he had just started to be pain-free, and, and he just assumed he'd walk out on the golf course and start feeling pain again, and he said he didn't. For four days, he walked 72 holes, did not feel pain, uh, and, and he said it was an unbelievable week and Taylor I, I think a lot of times we don't know about things like this with players who go into slumps and Gary Woodland had gone from U.S. Open champion and you know President's Cup guy and a, a guy who really was playing the best golf of his career to just totally falling off the planet this was his, he finished tied for 18th this week it was his first top 20 finish since last July and he sounds a lot more optimistic now so I think it's interesting to hear that a guy who just went from playing great golf to terrible golf Maybe he didn't lose his game. Maybe he just lost his health. Yeah, and that and that's what tends to happen, Colby. I mean, like you said, it was a looked like it was a left hip injury. And uh, reading up here, it seemed like some of the work he did ended up going to a uh, a new chiropractor. Which you know, chiropractor, you think it's just back, but I mean, it's 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 related to everything. So able to get is is the hip left backwards. hip important in a golf swing? Does the left hip matter? Uh, I, it's only maybe the one of the more essential things in there, except for maybe your hands, which control the club. But uh, but nevertheless, exactly. So and with how with Woodland being one of the longer hitters on tour, how much torque he's putting onto that left hip, and how much he needs it to clear for him to do what he does, with how, especially with how much wrist cock he has. And so, um, yeah, I think that really explains it. he's been in pain for so long. And if your body can't do what you need to do, I mean, we've had Steve Ball on the podcast talk so much about TPI and fitness training and all that and if if your body's not in the right position to do what it needs to do you're not gonna be able to hit the ball where you want to and for him to feel like he's feeling 100 percent and um you know played fairly decent this week and he's starting to get his game back and he's um 
finished, like I said, T16 this week, and he's played tradi- uh, traditionally well at Tory, so he may also be a, part- a popular pick this upcoming week along with Tony Fina, who, like we mentioned earlier, keeps choking. But it's it's really great for Woodland to not have that pain, and I think we're, we're starting to understand maybe why he lost his game a little bit. Yeah, I, I think it was definitely a, a peek into what he's dealing with. And we also got some clarity, uh, you know, talking about golfers who deal with injuries. Um, Tyler, I don't know if you know this, Tiger Woods has dealt with injuries throughout his career. It's, it's really gone under the radar. Nobody talks about it. But he had a microdiscectomy back surgery, and we found out, I think it was Rory who actually released it, that he had the surgery on December 23rd. So we, there was a video of Tiger walking around uh, in the Bahamas with his dogs near, near the yacht, and, you know, looks like he's kind of getting a little pep back in his step. But just knowing that he had that surgery on December 23rd and not like, gee, I don't know, January 20th, that's a big deal in terms of looking when he might return to action. It also shows us, you know, uh, Tiger Woods, the dad, Charlie really wanted to play in the PNC, and PNC was what, the 19th and 20th or 20th and 21st of December, and Tiger waited, put off his back surgery until after he could share that special moment with Charlie and then got it done. So after hearing that news, Taylor, I'm much more optimistic that we will see Tiger Woods uh, probably a little sooner than I think maybe we all thought whenever that news broke middle of last week. Yeah, no doubt. Whenever you, anytime you hear Tiger Woods injury or surgery, you think, "Oh God, here we go again!" And he's going to be out six months. How he's going to miss the whole year? And and you just you start thinking so pessimistically. But but yeah, to hear that it happened essentially maybe just a little bit after the father son, like you said, really cool of him to play with with his son Charlie in that tournament, and shows the love. And and I think that goes to show that you know if if Tiger's hurting and wanting a surgery. I think this proves that he's not forcing golf onto Charlie at this point. I think that's a clear indicator of, hey, this is Charlie wanting to do it and letting him go about his own way. So I think that's fantastic. And, and yeah, like, it, this really is good news to know that it happened earlier because, like we said, we already know he's not going to play the West Coast. But um, I think this almost not essentially assures that it'll happen, but one of those four um, Florida events, I think he's almost guaranteed to play one of them at this point, barring any setbacks, him slipping on the stairs at his house like DJ did at the Masters that one year. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I think that we'll see Tiger, I, I would think probably a couple times before the Masters trying to get his game right for April because I think that most of us know, and I think he knows, that at this point in his career, that's the major that he has the best chance to win. Smallest field, a course that really favors um, favors those who've been there, who've done it, who know exactly where to miss it, who know the greens. Uh, so I think we'll see him a couple times before Augusta as he tries to get ready for that. Uh, Taylor, I think that's about all I've got today. We didn't miss anything in the world of golf, did we? Um, one one thing before we get out of here, gotta take your take on it. What do you think of uh, Mark Hubbard? Mark Hubbard's new putting stroke. <laughs> Mark Hubbard, oh man, the people's champion, Mark Hubbard. It, it was his last hole on Friday. If you haven't seen it, he was gonna miss the cut by several strokes, and he reaches down, he sticks his pinky way out in the air, way up above his head, and then reaches down and puts his pinky right at the bottom of his putter shaft. And putts with his right pinky wrapped around down there. That's uh, that's some fun that we don't often see guys having with themselves on the PGA Tour, Taylor. That was Michelle Wee's uh, uh, old putting stroke on steroids. I mean, he was. Oh God. I mean, he was way down there. And it, I mean, if you if you putted like that your whole round, I don't think you'd be able to walk the next day. Um, but in his defense, you know, 
um, you think about it in theory, the closer you hold your hand to the putter face, the better you can control it. But I'm not sure how well one little pinky is going to be able to control that putter face whenever you're you're stroking through it. And, and I mean, it was on like a seven-footer or something like that. I'm not sure you'd be able to do that on a, a 50- or 60-footer. Yeah, you think it'd be hard to uh, control the speed if you had a pinky down by your putter head on 50-footer? I don't know how you could look with how far you're bending over. I don't think your neck can torque enough to even look at the hole. No, you wouldn't be able to see it. You'd be too low to even see the hole. I, <laughs> I, I think it's going to be funny. I think I, I, I think Hubbard may start a, not necessarily the PGA Tour, but I think around your local clubs you'll see a trend of, of people who are having the rounds where they're just over it start to do things like that um, just because you see it out there on the tour. So I, I think it's really cool that he did something like that. And like you said, it didn't matter. He was going to – he was shoot, he shot 76 on that last day. So if he would have made that last putt, it would have been 75. Still would have missed the cut by a couple strokes. So at the end of the day, it really didn't matter. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, uh, all right, Taylor, good stuff. We'll get together in the next couple of days and preview Farmers. Obviously, uh, it's been, you know, one of everybody's favorite tournaments for a long time because of the way Tiger has dominated it. He plays it every year. He won't be there this year, but it will still be a great field and should be a great tournament. So we'll get together in the next couple of days, give everyone a full preview of that. Taylor, have a good one. We'll get back together. Absolutely. We're going to have a great preview show, and um, we'll hopefully give out uh, give out some winners. We almost had it. No, we didn't pick Siwoo, but we were on Cantlay and Cameron Davis second and third. So almost had it, but not quite. Almost, but not quite. All right, good stuff, everybody. We appreciate y'all listening. Catch us next time on the 73rd Hole. <laughs>